I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Tommy Moore! Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass, and Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly brought to you by Volkswagen, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Gavin Casey here in studio, joined as always by Murray Kinsler of the 42. How are you, Murray? Yeah, I'm really good. How are you? How are you, honestly? No, I'm really good, yeah. I like Everyone's worried and they're worried with reason, but I'm kind of enjoying it. It adds another storyline that we didn't expect, maybe. Um, and there's so much to dig into today. Oh, you're a cynical journalist. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard Jackman has got his bollocking face on. How are you, Bernard? <laughs> Excellent, thank you. Good, good. Really good. am excellent. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, we will kick off with the team then uh, for Wales and Cardiff this weekend. Uh, Murray, it's an interesting looking team in that even if they were to put things right, it's not quite the same personnel that put it wrong in Twickenham. So uh, I'm not sure that we'll have a concrete idea as to where we stand even after this game, depending on how we get on. But a couple of interesting combinations in all Munster front row and all Connacht halfback partnership. Talk us through it. Yeah, there were plenty of ex- uh, changes expecting this team. Um, Joe Schmidt had kind of alluded to that early on in the in the summer kind of series. But there are a few tweaks, I would guess. Rory Best probably didn't imagine he'd be on the bench in this game. He gets a, maybe another couple of minutes off off the bench just to play himself into form. And um, as you say, some really interesting selections. I think there's particular guys who stand out in terms of this is their, their opportunity to, to nail down a place. Jack Cardi at 10, didn't go particularly well for Ross Byrne last week in a really tough collective outing. Just didn't suit him with, with the pack losing so much possession at line-out time. But Carty can potentially nail down that third-out half spot if, if that's Joe Schmidt's plan with three-out halves. You look at Dave Kilcoyne at loose head prop. Jack McGrath came off the bench in, in Twickenham and didn't go well for him either. Uh, and Kilcoyne offers just so much explosive carrying. If he can nail that set piece, uh, you'd fancy him to get that second loose head spot, particularly with Andrew Porter there covering loose head from the bench. Um, Jack Cohn at number eight, that's potentially a guy who can push into the starting team, never mind the squad. If he can bring the mobility, the offloading, the the carrying, we know he can, as well as being really consistent over the 80 minutes. Ty Byrne at six as well in a similar boat in terms of you know laying down that, that impressive performance that leave Schmidt in no mind about bringing him to, uh, to to Japan. And look at the back line as well. Conway and Addison probably playing off in, in some ways for for a place potentially uh, in the in the overall squad. So there's loads in it. Um, and it is, yeah, it is a, a very different team. So we're not going to get that full answer of whether Ireland are back, I think, until they play a, a stronger Wales team next week. But loads of points of interest there. What kind of answers can we expect to get, Bernard? Uh, what's your interpretation of the team? Yeah, it's it's very mixed. Um, obviously, guys, some guys last chance. Doing the only thing frustrating, probably for or, or worrying for me, is we're not really going to get to build any any combinations. Like this isn't the team they're going to start against against Scotland. Um, so if this team played really well together and there was a lot of strong performances, you know, does it throw the whole pecking order up in the air again and, and cause more confusion and and angst? Obviously, from an individual's point of view, if someone has a stormer and that plays him his way onto the plane or into a team that's, that's obviously great for them individually. But um, I think, you know, we saw last week the, the selection into the England game was was 80% our first-choice team, barring injuries. Uh, 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 so has that, you know, uh, are we going to have a different, are we going to have five or six different starters um, who've kind of come from left field a little bit or come from the, the second string to be part of our of our team for Scotland? If, if we are... You know, it's it, it's going to be a race against time to 
to get um, that cohesion right, you know. Um, and obviously, we have a game next week against Wales, and then we've got a follow weekend, um, you know, before we play Japan or Scotland. But um, in some ways, I think they nearly would have been better off going with the, you know, with the team to play against England again and seeing what kind of reaction we have and can they play their way into form, you know. Um, or else, or else, we're not going to be sure of them. Obviously, they can play against Wales next week, but. Um, yeah, it's 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 not it's just not ideal the way I think we, our fixtures were were set up originally and agreed upon because you play the weakest team first with your second string and then you have three very hard games. You know, even England, they had a contingency plan that if they had have performed poorly against Wales twice in Ireland, they could get a confidence booster against Italy. You know, um, Scotland played Georgia, for example. I know it's not easy, but you'd imagine they can get their uh, elements of their game um, into flow there, whereas. Even Wales's team that they're picking tomorrow or for Saturday, it's not their first choice team. But if they defend the way Sean Edwards defends, um, uh, and if they only do that well, like Ireland mightn't get many opportunities in attack, or, or mightn't get any confidence, and momentum, and that's just another, um, you know, dampener for us as 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 we just try and find something to cling onto. Do you think that there's a chance then that it will? regardless of what happens this weekend that Joe Schmidt will revert to something like a first string team for that last game and even in a worst case scenario that we're coming in off the back of two defeats that you just finish as strongly as humanly possible and look for that little sugar rush of a, a narrow victory or something to be positive about. Yeah, I think that's definitely what's going to happen. Um, I'd imagine it'll be a very similar team to what played in Twickenham next weekend in, in Dublin. I think that's the way he's planned it out and Largely, he's going to stick to that that plan. You would hope that the performances this weekend, say for someone like Jack Conan, if that is a really impressive performance, that he potentially gets a chance in a, a kind of full strength or perceived first choice team. Um, but yeah, I think that's been his plan all along and he's going to stick with it. He talked about not having that knee-jerk reaction to Twickenham um, and that certainly seems to be his thinking. You mentioned his plan. How much of have his plans deviated from uh, the way they were shaping up over the last three, four years, do you think? Like... When you look at Peter Romani at seven, Bernard, uh, he's started there once in Australia and has obviously filled in there during games a couple of times uh, throughout the course of his Ireland career. And yet this seems to be quite a, a late experiment to see, can he do a job at seven, three weeks out from a World Cup? It, it seems quite unschmidt like Yeah, it is, but it's probably forced by the injury to to Levy and um, Sean O'Brien, to be honest. You know, Tommy Don had a very good game against Italy, but he's had his injury problems you know, it probably has just opened that opportunity for um, for Peter to have to cover there. I mean, it's between him and Jordy Murphy, who's our backup to, to Van der Fleer, you would say. Um, so from that point of view, it's probably no harm. Peter probably needs to play, you know, he uh, gets some minutes in, into him, um, whether it's a six or seven. And, you know, he's definitely capable of doing it in a, in a one-off uh, for sure. But I do think that call has been uh, probably forced by, you know, as I said, the, the injuries to two guys who are kind of established at seven. Are there players, Murray, that are not involved in this particular matchday squad for Cardiff that can be almost ruled out of contention now or ruled out of selection or is it still a little bit too soon? You think of the likes of Jack McGrath, like say if 
Kilcoyne goes well this weekend, it's going to be very difficult for him, for example. Yeah, absolutely. I think Porterby on the bench in particular is, is the worry for him. I guess they had alluded to the fact that some guys would not play again while still being in the 40-man squad. You think of Rob Herring, you mentioned Tommy O'Donnell there, um, Reese Roddick even, who I thought would get a, a chance again this weekend, if I'm being honest. A, a guy who brings so much of that physical dominance and seems to fit exactly how Joe Schmidt wants to play in terms of being really good at nailing his roles and, and really physical and a really good leader. It looks like he he'll miss out now because he hasn't got that uh, that that opportunity again. Um, so yeah, I'd say a lot of guys are worried. I'd say Ross Byrne is is worried that he's um, on the outside again now, and Cardi has a chance to to nail down a spot. So I would imagine yeah, there's a lot of worried guys who who miss out this weekend. Bernard, if Wales do deploy that typical Sean Edwards defence, um, it's a pretty difficult game for Jack Cardi to really try and establish himself in that they're isn't going to be an enormous amount of wiggle room for him to operate within. No, and same, well, like the same, similar for Ross Byrne last week. I mean, it was a bit of a very difficult occasion for him given how our, our pack and how he performed physically. I mean, it was uh, it was a very, very difficult task. And this obviously won't be as difficult. I think, you know, Wales have picked a, a second stringish side as well, but um, it's still a big ask. And the problem is, you know, he, he'll end up Jack looks like Jack or, or, or there's a chance Jack or, Jack or Ross are going to go to Japan and, and neither of them might have had a you know a, a kind of reassuring game from their own point of view in terms of when our attack is flowing when things are happening and you get that confidence um, just because of the nature of, of how our form has been and, and the opposition we have so um, the, you know it's going to be hard for him but if he if he can grasp it if he can run the team really well this week if there's a knee jerk reaction and you know we see guys come back into form well then you know it, it's a huge positive so um, yeah, I think Wales are picking their team on, on Monday uh, and announcing it obviously Ireland the word is that or the rumour is they're not going to announce it until after the Welsh yeah, game at home that's the plan you know um, and uh, yeah so it's 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 quite tight I think um, like CJ probably like he he may, if he plays against Wales at home next week, he, he needs to have a big game. You mm. know? Um, and uh, like, he, there's an argument not to bring CJ if he doesn't have a big game at, at home. If Conan went well this week, and you, you know you, you use Jordy Murphy to cover, um, it's just not a nice situation to be in. And listen, they can get over it and they can deal with it. There's loads of experience, but it just would have been so much better if the performance was just a, a, a fair bit better against England. Yeah, well, that's a, a decent way to segue into last weekend's horror show, uh, starting with a couple of the individuals to whom the finger has been pointed. And it's a, maybe a little bit uh, unfortunate from their perspective that a finger can be pointed at anybody when collectively we were absolute garbage. But starting with Stander, like I remember talking on this podcast, and I think it was yourself, Bernard, who made the point when he had... Uh, when he broke his face essentially against England and the Six Nations that the rest might actually do him good and when he did return there seemed to be a spring in the step he carried really effectively like he looked far fresher just from having perhaps not played over uh, the course of a few weeks but certainly from what we saw at Twickenham and probably more recently in a general sense even going back to the end of Munster season he's looked pretty ineffective again hasn't he really Murray? Yeah like uh to, to be fair in my match report I wrote that he was anonymous because it, it certainly felt like that watching the game he, he had three carries um, and I went back through the game obviously to see like wh- why did that happen it was it was really strange how they actually used him or how he inserted himself into the game plan a lot of the times he was positioned out a little bit wider um, in their kind of shape the forward spreading across the pitch which I can understand maybe you want to get him into more one-on-one situations where he can use his carrying skill when he's not bogged down with two or three defenders on top of him but at other times he was <clears throat> he was in those forward carrying pods 
but he might mean that plus player just outside the central carrier. So you, you had those two occasions, I think, where Rory Best was the, the primary carry in the middle of the pod and CJ Sanders just outside. And maybe they're looking to get those tip-on passes into play. But to me, it was really strange that his, his primary strength is his carrying and he wasn't wasn't even being used to do that. It, it seemed to be a, a little kind of tactical ploy. His first touch of the ball was in the 26th minute of the match. He he threw that pass out the back to Ross Byrne. It went to deck and Conor Murray had to scramble a kick away. He didn't actually make a, a genuine carry until the 42nd minute, I think. It, they won a, a, a short restart back or 45th minute. Um, and it kind of fell to him and he carried. And the, the other carry he had was when uh, England uh, knocked the ball on and he scooped it up off the off the ground again, not actually intended to carry the ball. So that was really strange. I didn't understand that. And I, I don't know if that was either him not putting his hand up to to do that stuff or Ireland maybe experimenting and not trying to be as reliant on him in that sense. He put some good shots on in, in defence, I thought, while also slipping off a couple of tackles and, and allowing a couple of offloads, which will really frustrate Joe Schmidt. So, yeah, it was a, a strange performance for him because even when you, you worry that his carrying isn't as effective as, as it was or as fresh as it was, he doesn't use that footwork or, or the pass as much, he's still getting through a, a massive work rate and, and that was strangely not there in this game. The work rate can nearly work against him at times, Bernard, though, in terms of just a number of times he will carry the ball. And if you look then at the stats and people obviously do looking at like ESPN's live figures or whatever, the yardage might be minimal or even negligible, despite the fact that he's had a large number of carries. Like, is there a chance that they were actually just trying to move away from that and, and nearly spare him a little bit and hope that by being, I suppose, picking uh, ball up to carry in more optimal situations as opposed to doing it constantly might have been of benefit and it just didn't really pay off. Yeah, well, day. listen, if that, um, you do, he needs to have a minimum lo- number of carries though. I, I understand we, we're critical of him when he makes 20 carries and 20 metres, but um, there has to be, he can't have only three carries and, and no big ones either. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? There's got to be, his total metres has got to be high. Um, so, and I understand, like there's no point having a pod of three off nine and Rory Best as the as the as the first receiver and him taking the contact. That's if you have CJ outside you, you know what I mean. So whether I don't think that could be the plan, um, and whether because of line speed or or lack of communications or uh, um, or whatever, or Rory wanted to take it on, but like that doesn't make any sense. You know what mm. I mean? Like that, the only way that makes sense is if if there is a tip on pass to CJ and he comes onto the pace and you know he creates more width to go back down the blind side by creating a rook wider out or he gets us over the gain line. Um, so uh, and the fact he's hanging uh, hanging out in the wider channels again, there's no absolutely no issue with that. Like I'd love to see him being able to do a bit more. That that was a very strong part of his game, one on one with the back, and you know using a bit of footwork and 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 a fend and gone. You know, so that if we can engineer that type of play, um, we're going to be a different side. You know, I think the reality is because of the way Ireland had played so much and a lot of one out rugby and you know enormous amount of. Of recycles, um, you know. I understand why CJ wasn't making as many meters in his carries because it was quite um, easy to read. Um, so I understand. Like, I've no problem with him being a little bit wider and having less carries, but he's got to make um, big impacts when he gets it. Not all the time, but you know, we've got to see at least one or two big actions a game. And unfortunately, probably for CJ, you know, the uh, the person that we like we see playing eight opposite him last weekend is Billy Bunapola who is who is probably the world's most dominant number eight um, and we don't say he has to be like Billy but um, you know for our game let's not forget the way Ireland have played over the last two or three years has been very much based on confrontation physicality so when your back row aren't giving you that and Josh Josh Renner Flyer that's not his strength right so you know he's got a lot of other attributes so you need your six and your eight to be giving us big carries and we know Peter 
isn't primarily a, a big ball carrying six. So then a huge amount of pressure comes on to, to CJ. So given the makeup of our back row at the moment, more pressure comes onto his shoulders. And uh, yeah, he just needs to perform better. He has, unfortunately, he, you know, he had a, he hasn't looked as dynamic, um, but if there's a plan there to, to use him in the wider channels, um, it could be really effective for us. But obviously because we had so little ball, um, you know, we di we didn't get to see that. So, and, and that's and that's understandable. And the coach will understand that that he's not going to have as many carries because he's out there and because our set piece failed and um, we got bullied at the contact zone and we lost our shape quite easily. Um, he didn't get the ball, so that's that's understandable. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? If it's just he wasn't able, he, his fitness was poor or he didn't know his role and he you know he should have been in playing off nine, well then obviously that's inexcusable. But um, I doubt that. I think there probably has been some kind of a plan to to see a different type of shape from Ireland. Unfortunately, against Italy and against England, maybe Murray has seen it. It's not really clear what that shape is. Yeah, do, you, was, do you know what their shape is? I thought that was interesting because you actually saw quite often, you, it was, I thought it was kind of new where they ran the, the forwards very tight off the yeah. line, close to the rock. You, you've seen kind of the All Blacks doing it now. England are actually doing, they're bypassing that first pot of three just to try and take out some of the line speed. When Ireland did it, it was so stunted. Yeah. The, the forward is often there way too early. He ends up just standing still in front of the ball and, and it's a body wasted. So I actually thought that was one of the main issues. They couldn't get into shape. Yeah. Like the amount of times the nine passed to a pod where there was probably like four or five forwards kind of standing or trying to organise themselves and then maybe end up with Rory Best in the middle of it. It's no surprise that the, the two best attacks of the game leading to tries were when they actually did bounce into shape nicely. First, Henderson rips out the ball from that maul and Tyke Furlan plays a lovely link pass that allows Bondiaki to use his footwork kind of in a more one-on-one -on -one situation. They get a quick rock and then Rob Carney takes a bit of a risk with his pass, which you don't always see from Ireland. They only go over the top of that edge defender rushing up uh, and Stockdale chips ahead and they score. That was a forward linking the pass from, from Furlong. And the other one with Bondiaki, obviously a really good individual try, but the phase before that, Peter Omani gets set in time and he tips on a pass to Sean Cronin for a really excellent carry, which maybe we didn't see from the other hooker. Um, and that gets him over the gain line, another quick rock. And then Bondiaki is running at the defence rather than the opposite way around, which it was too often. Like English lads just hammering out of the line and smashing them behind the gain line. This time he had front foot and he was able to use his footwork. Obviously England at that stage were maybe tuned out a little bit, but I don't think it's a surprise that those two moments came when the forwards had a, a bit of early safe sh uh, shape set up and there was that bit of interplay as well. Let's talk about the other hooker then, uh, Bernard, obviously it's your area of expertise and it's been discussed at length in other media platforms and by fans, I think, in comment section in, in the pub or wherever that, uh, well, Rory Best's position has been called into question, really. Um, and yet, if you were to drop him, which I don't think they will, firstly, I don't know who comes in and seamlessly replaces him. Like, it's not as if Niall Scandal had an outstandingly positive season with Munster. Bob Herring doesn't start ahead of Rory Best at Ulster. And Sean Cronin, I think we can say, is just not Joe Schmidt's cup of tea for various reasons. Like, there is a, a dislike there that I think is pretty clear to see. And in any case, even though it's a bit of a trope about Sean Cronin, he, just, he doesn't throw a ball as well as Rory Best. So what's your oh, listen, take Rory, on that position? Think, yeah, it's very difficult to criticise Rory for for the actual lineup problems. There weren't that many, there wasn't that many bad throws. I think what happened was um, we had a very predictable setup. Our, um, our movement was slow. Um, our calling was, was, was poor. And that's been, I think, that's been coming to a certain extent because we're so reliant on toner. Um, and you know, and then people said, oh, when toner came on, it didn't get any better. It's so hard for a line of color to come in 
for 20 minutes when everyone else has lost the plot and starting to doubt themselves and, you know, it's early in the season and actually bring a sense of calmness to it. And at that stage, England were absolutely cock-a-hoop and you have Cruz and Atoje and, you know, screaming and, and just they, they just taking taking positions, cr crowding across the line out. Whereas if you start off in a, in a very cool, calm, uh, structured way and you've got good security on the ball, then they start actually second-guessing themselves and they're a little bit late on their, on their lifts and their movement. So we just became... And then the problem as well was when we lost a few, we went back to even simpler options, which made it easier to, to read. And um, the whole thing just completely... Um, mal there was just malfunctions across the whole line-out set piece. And Rory obviously will take some blame for it. I'm not so worried about the line-out from, from Rory's point of view. My worry would be his ability to make an impact physically. Um, and... Uh, like if you look at the, the modern hooker, you know, um, the, they're usually, they're all really big, strong, physical, um, quick, dynamic. dynamic players. And that's uh, that's the issue. So, and listen, Rory is a very good scrummager. He's a decent jackal. He's got a high work rate. Um, but he's certainly not a ball carrier of, of force. He doesn't have that physical presence. Uh, you know, he's, he, he's, He's loads of experience, but he just looks a bit old, older than you know. He just doesn't look as fit and not fit as powerful as. And he's never relied on that part of the game, but unfortunately, the game has moved a little bit. So there's less, there's less uh, need for that kind of um, technically really smart player. It's you have to be now very physically powerful, plus have a decent level of technical acumen. So. Um, that is worrying for me, you know, and especially in the Irish pack. Obviously, James Ryan's going to come in and give us, give us, um, you know, physicality. Uh, but you probably need uh, that's that's probably where he's lacking. That's where Scannell and 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 the other hookers would have a, a one up on him. I think is that just ability to give us a little bit more oomph around the park. But I listen. I think Rory will come back. He'll come back and he'll get through this World Cup. But. Um, and our line will be our line will be fine. I mean, uh, the issue I think is that we're so reliant on Devon that we as to fix our line out that again you carry somebody who's not mm. going to dominate physically. And again, unless we've got something up our sleeve that we're we're going to outrun teams and outsmart them uh, and play to space, well then you've two in your pack who aren't really you know world class athletes, um, and you're unfortunately you're coming up against teams who are full of them. Hmm. Would that make sense? Yeah, and that's, that sums up the two issues, I think. Um, like Devon Toner, I, it's so funny. I went back to 2013, looked at Ireland's first ever try they scored under Joe Schmidt. Rory Best, line-out throw, Devon Toner catches it and they score a mole try. And that's 2013. And now when we're going to the World Cup, that connection is still going to be yeah. absolutely vital. Uh, and I think you're right about, I suppose you're carrying them around the pitch in a sense. Um, that that set piece we know is Joe Schmidt's everything. He he needs that line out possession to to use his strike plays that he values so much. But I mean, you talk about planning over the last couple of years. That probably is a a, a weakness in the planning. That Devon Toner is the only guy who they can really definitely trust in a in a top level match to call the line out. Um, you know, James Ryan, I guess, will end up doing that. He's still very young and hasn't had exposure. He did it in the Wales match in the Six Nations, but you know, it would obviously be a, a very big ask and. I, th I think Roy Best was left in a few tricky situations with some of those yeah, throws to the tail time. when it was going badly and he's having to go right over the top of George Cruz and the, the movement, I'd say, is so slow. So it was tough on him. But his performance around the pitch certainly didn't kind of make up for that, I don't think. He had that line break 
that Joe Schmidt mentioned, but I mean, he literally had to run into a, a big open space and, and he carried directly into someone then and went to ground. So it wasn't like he was he was busting through tackles. Even when Sean Cronin came on, like I mentioned, his really good carry there, load of fight through the, through the initial contact. He also put on a really big shot with his first tackle. So you actually notice even that little shift of, of dynamism. But for me, Joe Schmidt has, has kind of tied himself to Roy Best in that way. He's the captain going to the World Cup. I really cannot foresee any any circumstance where he's dropped as captain and, and gone. Um, even though I'd say Joe Schmidt has his doubts now. He, he is 37. He's an, he's an older player. He's going to be one of the eldest um, at the World Cup. So, um, yeah, they're, they're doubts. But we've seen in recent times as well that, that Dev Toner and, and Rory Best can contribute to, to massive performances when that set piece is going really well. You had a very interesting email from a gentleman called Kevin McCarthy with a couple of questions for you, which I think we've partially answered now. But uh, he asked very harshly, has there ever been a team captain at a World Cup who has effectively retired before the competition starts? And like that is some of the dialogue around this, unfortunately. And you hear words like passengers and things like that. It's uh, too, it's too right, strong. No, that, that's unbelievably harsh. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're based, like, if, let's be honest. So, so um, we don't know what his preseason was like. Um, you know, how do you how do you block where he missed a couple of weeks or, or whatever? Yeah, you know, it, you go and watch any of the provinces play. You go and watch like we never see we only see international players play their very first game at international level four times a year. You know, usually they might get twenty minutes against Coventry or or whatever. They get ease into it. You know, at a at a much um, lower key type type game, and they find their the rhythm and fitness. So, like you know, the, uh, Roy Best will have. Done would be absolutely massively motivated. He'd be hurting uh, hugely. And in general, like I, I, I've seen, you know, I played against him. I've been, I played against him for ten years. He, there's lots of times in his career where he's been questioned, mm-hmm. and he's always managed to step back up again with a with a trademark performance and find a way to survive. And you know, it's too early to write him off. Um, mm-hmm. And the decision has been made, and we got to back him now going into this World Cup. And he has the respect of all the players. Like he's a he's a highly re- respected player. He's very good technically. Um, he can't change the fact that he's not a gifted athlete. But as I said he survived. You know, at till 37 at the highest level, and um, based on his his brains and his and his hunger and his desire and his work rate and his honesty he just got to get that right again over the next well maybe off the bench this weekend maybe he needs another strong run out against Wales next week to get himself into into shape and if he gives us a really strong set piece scrum line out against uh, against the Scots and hopefully New Zealand or South Africa you know that's as Murray said that's the way Ireland's set up so it is you know potentially you wouldn't play for Wales like Ken Owens uh, Elliot D, Ryan Elias you know, are three completely different profiles than uh, the three hookers that Wales are going to bring. Um, but, you know, we've gone down the route of having, you know, Rory, who's a who's an inspiration leader, um, you know, good thrower, very good scrummager. Um, and that's kind of the way our team is set up. So uh, it's just, unfortunately, when you play against a team like England or, or Wales, we see how powder puff we are sometimes at the gain line. Or we have since... February mm. last year we could 2018 we were able to find a way around it but there seems to be a trend you look at what Saracen's doing uh, uh, done in Europe that power is is, is, a, is a probably a more important factor in, in determining wins at the moment in rugby than technical ability at the moment maybe the World Cup it's going to it does tr- shift change the trend then, it shifts yeah. all the time so at the moment we're just out our power set our super strengths aren't suited to what's winning big games. Is it an issue across the board, do you think? Like when you see how Munster would have struggled with Saracens, as did Leinster, and we've now struggled 
desperately with England twice in a short space of time like are we depending on a shift like is there any way around this because we haven't seen it really at national or club level yeah they're, they're, I'll mention they're missing Dan Levy who is one of the athletes they have in that regard James Ryan come back will add an, an amount in that regard and things can shift quickly with that you know a couple of strong James Ryan carries around the corner you're over the gain line it makes it easier for CJ Stander to get on the ball or Jack Coney using his footwork um, and we do tend to get very pessimistic when we see to be fair, Ireland get blown away like that. And the physicality is is awesome. They don't have Billy Vunapola, who also can play ball yeah. as well as any mm-hmm. forward in the world. Kyle Sinclair is a massive man, but some of his passing was brilliant against Ireland. Cockney Singh has just been a revelation. And it was it was almost comical watching even Jacob Stockdale, a big wing, running alongside him at times when Cockney Singer was just standing over him like a, a giant at times almost. Um, so they do have massive athletes, but I think there's ways you can beat them. And I guess the All Blacks, who generally have a, a pretty sizable pack as well and, and a vicious edge, they haven't always been the biggest team, but they've been the smartest and they've been the most skillful as well. Um, so you'd hope there are other ways. And listen, Ireland focusing on a set piece and, and playing offline out, that's been successful for them, but remains to be seen if that, if that works in the World Cup again. Yeah, poor Kevin, who emailed you these questions. I threw him under the bus there with the Rory Best thing. Firstly, he took an absolute poleaxing from Did, Bernard. No, no, no. Listen, no. I, mean, I, I understand the way the question's been asked. I'm just giving there, my... Yeah. Uh, my but he, he has... Like, he has, I, he has I, I, there, have, there have been captains as well who've retired immediately after. Like Richie McCoy, I don't think he announced it, but after the last World Cup, you knew he was going to be gone. The yeah. Billiards did it before. John Smith, I think. I'm sure it has, yeah. There's, there's, there's been several that were at the tail end of their career, but like a World Cup is going to bring out the very best in you and the very last bit of effort. By all accounts, Rory Best has actually trained pretty extensively and got, and got through most things in, in training as well. So like he's a hard, hard man. Yeah, but there, sorry, just back. again, like the difference between um, you could have a brilliant preseason and, you know, you just haven't got that match fitness and, you know, there's yeah. guys who actually need more games. So, you know, and, and generally the older you are, you actually need more games. So, you know, Joe Schmidt uh, spoke this week about Keith Earls as someone who can probably go in and have not played a warm-up game and be at 100%. Mm. Whereas, you know, Rory might need 260 minutes to yes, get a running start. Get a start. So, like, it's just every individual is different and, and we have to give them a little bit of leeway on this because, as I said, we don't have that scrutiny every preseason mm-hmm. on how slow they are, how quick they are to come yeah. to top form. Yeah. You know, whereas the provincial coaches would know. Yeah, you know, and, and, and like we should, like Joe Schmidt has mentioned himself as well. It was a heavy week last week. I was over in Portugal. They trained pretty heavily on the Monday, which they never would do in a in a normal test week. Even on Wednesday, I was in the the campus where they're training, and Ian Henderson was in there being flogged in the gym. The Wednesday of a test match, which again is is probably pretty rare. So there was that element to it as well, which is another kind of couple of percentage down in the in the performance. Well, here's a question from Kevin that kind of ties in with both what you were saying there, Murray, about Portugal and the intensive training quite close to a match day and also the line out and Kevin asked did Ireland call very ambitious calls line out calls at the weekend to test themselves under pressure brackets they failed he said he couldn't really think of any easier calls to the front of the line out for example is there a chance that they were being experimental even at the line out not really no they I just think they got spo- England's defensive line was very good um and yeah, they just they just had low England had loads of energy and, and loads of confidence and um you know we we just looked very passive and even though the score after what fifteen, twenty minutes was you know, we were in the game, um you still felt England were the team who were going to turn it on. Um and again that comes from confidence, uh comes from having played a couple of games, being really kind of um at match level. Um and you know, Ireland don't have um have not no 
performance as a point of reference for them or it's too far away you know um, even the wins against Scotland Italy uh, France they weren't brilliant performances so you can understand why England you know were cock a hoop uh, going into going in, or in Twickenham they're home they know their squad they all know they're going to the to the World Cup our lads maybe you know a little bit of doubt uh, I don't think the options were were too complicated um, yeah listen Simon Easterby is a good technician a very smart coach Um They'll be able to find like our lineup has the potential to be very good and um, has produced a lot of ball. It wasn't as good in Six Nations as it was, as it was in 2018, so there is a bit of a under you know um, a trend downwards. But I still would back them to be able to um, to be good. And also, I don't think teams are going to play are 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 brilliant defensive lineouts. Even South Africa, which was a, a, a kind of cornerstone of their play, um, aren't as good defensively as as England are. Yeah, and Noel Scanlon, to be fair, has plenty of aim at this weekend. Yeah, O'Mahony yeah. and Byrne in the back row. And it's the huge. Second rows yeah. he is. Even Jack Conan can jump, yeah. so he's got plenty. The, your point about confidence, though, is a concern for Ireland, I think. Yeah, because, you know, you look at it and you go, oh, that's a fatigue performance. But, like, when you're low on confidence, they're the kind of errors you make. You're overthinking some things. You mentioned flow earlier on. Ireland yeah. haven't been in flow for quite a while now, where they just are playing that intuitive kind of, you know, making decisions without overthinking it. The reads in defence, I think guys at times were... Yeah, like, okay, Billy Vunapola is a threat in the carry here, but forgetting about their job just outside and, and marking up on their man. Some of those things were so uncharacteristic, even like getting tackled into touch a couple of times and losing ball in contact. So unlike the good Ireland we've seen under Joe Schmidt. And I guess that is a concern that he has to build that confidence now. They're not A lot of guys not playing this weekend and then a tough match against Wales. And then you're into the Scotland game. Yeah, I genuinely thought, because like he's a brilliant coach and he's got a great team of coaches. I thought that we would have... We'd be further ahead than we are, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, I thought that the focus on the basics from whatever, the middle of June, you know, that we wouldn't see those errors that are on characteristic of Joe Schmidt teams. And, you know, that's that's stuff that shouldn't really happen no matter how many minutes you have in, under your belt. You know what I mean? Like, there was the pass, you said, from uh, they went to ground. I mean, that's, that's uh, uh, they went to ground that Murray had to tidy up from CJ to try and hit Ross Byrne. I mean, that's pretty basic stuff. You know, and we weren't able to complete it. So that's a, that's a worry for me. Uh, I can understand why England, big physical team, and and you know they're going to bully us at the game at the at the gain line. But getting smashed into touch, that lack of of kind of understanding of 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 getting into our shape, um, that's something that I, I expect us to be much better at at this stage. Now we can. Joe's right. Like Joe said, he knew going into England that was going to be difficult and you could hear the mm. propaganda about how they're a couple of weeks ahead of us, etc. Um, and it's all about being ready for Scotland. And, and absolutely, we can be a hell of a lot better and we'll be ready for Scotland. Um, but it's really important that the experienced players don't let the heads drop and, uh, and keep it positive. And, you know, we go try and find the right approach, you know, to a match week just to get us into that zone again. Because that was supposed to... Like the Irish teams... Joe, or all Joe Schmidt's teams since he came to Ireland with Leinster, you could nearly guarantee every week they're going to play to a, a 9 out of 10. You know what I mean? And uh, never played a 4 out of 10. They might not always win, but it was very, very consistent. Um, and it's about getting back on track to that, the process. It sounds boring, but being able to say, okay, you know, this is what Ireland do in the 22, this is what Ireland do in the first half of the game, this is what Ireland do the last 20 minutes. We just need to start to see that a little bit again. Mm. During the week, uh, I caught up with Gordon Darcy. He was down at the new TV showrooms in Dominic Smith, Expert Electrical in Dundrum. And some of the things we've been talking about here, uh, he gave his own opinions on. Here's Gordon. 
Hi, you're very welcome to the acoustic sessions on the 42.ie Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey here, joined by Gordon Darcy. We're in the TV showrooms in Dominic Smith Expert Electrical Dundrum. How are you, Gordon? I'm very good, very good. You got that tongue twister done very nicely. <laughs> I heard you rehearsing outside. It uh, really rolls off the tongue. Um, in your column last week, Gordon, you wrote of your pondering as to whether the glass was a quarter full or three quarters empty. What's the story now? Is there even a glass anymore? Yeah, I'd say we're close to the uh, glass being fully empty, um, but that in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think we kind of have to be realistic in that these are warm-up games and they're designed for a purpose to get ready for the World Cup. So everybody wants a crystal ball or magic eight ball or something, you know, the snake oil salesman to tell them everything's going to be okay and this is what we have to look at and this is where we have to go. Um, but it's hard at the moment because we've seen very little in the last two games. Um, and as supporters and analysts, we, instead of focusing on what's coming in, you know, the 22nd, 23rd of uh, September, we should just take it game by game and see what happens this week. Is, are we right as supporters, firstly, to panic a little bit at this point, just given how short the turnaround is? and how little time is remaining in order for Joe Schmidt and Ireland to put it right? Yeah, again, you know, that's the that's the magic that's the magic crystal ball stuff. You know, we're looking into it. We can only see what they're going to do this weekend. You would expect a seismic, you know, something to come this weekend. You Those players should be very, very motivated. You know, they should be pretty pissed off. Uh, going into this weekend and that in itself should evoke some sort of a passionate response that is a good starting point and then you can build on that you can build on that you can build on that there is a way out of here but it does start with a passionate performance now you want to be keeping those overly passionate performances for quarterfinal you know fingers crossed now that we get there and that it is something that we need to put we need to leverage on but at the moment for just to settle the nerves, to put the pendulum back into the middle of, you know, uh, you know, we've swung to one extreme, from one extreme last November, beating the All Blacks to where we are today, which is at the other extreme. So we need, just need something now to kind of level the playing field for for everybody, for the, take a bit of pressure off the players, off the coaching staff, and for the supporters and the people who are hugely anticipated and very, mo- and very you know, excited about this World Cup to pause and draw breath. Who then is responsible for stimulating or putting the hand up to be the catalyst for that passionate performance? Like, does that come from the coaching staff in a time of, I don't think it's unfair to call it a time of crisis, certainly from the outside looking in, even if the players don't consider it one? Or would it be the core leadership group, your Rory Bess and Peter Romani's and Johnny Sexton's? It's a little bit of, it's, there's probably three stakeholders involved in it. So you have the management, you have the leadership group, but then you also have the individuals. So the management kind of set the scene and, and kind of align or kind of map out the kind of parameters and kind of going like, this is what we need to do. This is the reality of it. And they kind of put that into it. And then the senior players become... I suppose, for for want of a better way, they become um, facilitators, and then it becomes down to the individuals. Individuals have to get into that headspace just to 
just to perform and to, to and to you know whatever the fundamental whatever they've been asked to do to do it at a certain pace and a certain tempo and that's and that is getting your set mentally ready for that game creating that edge whatever that is and that you know so there's three three parties really involved in there naturally parallels have been drawn already between this and 2007 even though in 2007 it probably wasn't as apparent at this stage that things were going to go wrongly at least again from the outside looking in do you see parallels there having experienced that yourself in 2007 no like there's very little parallels between like to me anyway because i was there in 2007 and i see what's happening here there is still like there's a guts of a game plan in what they did even against England and if certain things go right you might have seen a little bit more creativity the line misfired the difference in 2007 was line was functioning fine like it was an absolute you know bargain basement thing like we were just completely at odds as to what we were all trying to do um, so I think it's like grossly unfair and, and to be honest I don't think too many people are looking at 2007 and going it's going to be that much of a capitulation you know a, a try that never was in Italy uh, against Italy up up north, you know the butchers of Bayonne, like everything that could have go, gone wrong. But they were all within our within our within our. They weren't were they within our control? I don't know. It would just seem destined to fail. This doesn't. It just doesn't feel destined to fail um, with this group. It just seems a little bit harder to believe that we're going to turn it around. Yeah, and I think one of the difficulties that has been discussed is because so much is going wrong, even in terms of our, our fundamentals, our set piece that's been so strong traditionally for the last four years or even six, if you want to extend it to Schmidt's entire reign. Is it difficult for you to pinpoint like where to begin in order to recover and, uh, and kind of claw things back to where they were a year ago? Or is there one area or one facet? Well, I think even just that phrase, clawing it back to where we were a year ago, I think we have to be careful about that. That's not where Ireland need to be because you're looking backwards. Ireland need to look forward. I know this might sound like you know, a, a little bit, a little bit. They need to create the new. They need to find the new identity, not identity, but the new. What's in the future for this Irish team? If you're if you're always looking backwards, it's very hard to move forward with one foot in the past. That was a performance against New Zealand, and at the moment, it seems to be across that they're that the Irish teamers are struggling under. They need to forget about it and just draw that, like a lot of people, uh, Stephen Ferris talked about it and saying, drawing a line in the sand and they need to move forward from here going forward. But how do you improve on that? It, basics, you know, fundamentals. Can you win your own set, pay, set piece? Can you get into multi-phase? Can you get quick ball? Can you get forwards moving on to the game moving on to the ball before the nine is passing the ball can you have a little bit of different tempo between the 10 and the nines there's a huge amount this is the great thing about being where ireland are there's so many things that can go right it's actually harder to find things that can go wrong now so this is a great opportunity for the next group that whoever are lucky enough to get this pitch get on the pitch this weekend there's a huge opportunity for them to be a catalyst for something really positive just having a clean slate and taking from there yeah, absolutely. Like, and that's, you know, probably from a player's point of view going, you know, the, the management are going to pick who they're going to pick. Players have no control over that. Well, the players who played at the weekend have no control over that. So there's guys coming in, there's a few new guys who are going to be coming in. You, we need to see uh, Robbie Henshaw, we need to see Johnny, we need to see James Ryan. 
we need to see these guys on the pitch. Will Addison potentially, they need to be on. And are these guys, Chris Farrell, are these guys going to be the catalyst? Andrew Conway's hardly put a foot wrong uh, in the in the two games he's been involved in. So we need to see guys and you need to then start uh, these guys for making their face fit into, the, into a starting 15. Perhaps conveniently because of the lineup malfunction uh, in Twickenham and just, I think, because in two high-profile games in a row he hasn't had his finest performances the finger has been tentatively pointed towards Rory Best or at least he's been singled out more so than other individuals there's been talk of whether or not a, a captain who isn't quite performing to par will still kind of garner the, the belief of uh, his team around him do you believe Rory's position should be under threat at the moment? Yeah, I think, again, after a game like the English match, everybody wants a definitive answer as to where it went wrong. And I think it's, it can be lazy to point at individuals in a performance like that. The lineup misfired, like, absolutely. Um, we had, uh, like, Gert Small, uh, when he came in, when Declan Kidney came in after the 2007 World Cup and brought in Gert, and he was an incredible, um, an incredible... Um, or after 2008 Six Nations Gert Small came in later that year and his thing was like yeah we obviously aim to win your line out but it's like it's not a guarantee it's like you still have to be able to win a game and not have perfect set piece um, that was an aspect of the Irish um, of the Irish performance that really really underperformed and didn't make the rest of it very easier but so many other parts of the Irish performance misapped I think Rory has come into focus unfortunately because it's such a visual piece in the same way Jacob Stockdale came into focus being on the wing when you're a guy in the wing and you're the last you're the last defender coming in you know you know you're not saving that that try but you still have to run through with the defensive play but and people point the finger at you so where where the hooker scenario goes from here i don't think it calls his, his um his captaincy into question in any shape way he's a brilliant leader and always has been and he's a his ability to let other people lead has been a key a, a very valuable part of his have his armory and that will probably be tested this this week in that you know if he starts that he has to let then he's going to have to let other people lead and empower them to do him and that's going to be his biggest challenge potentially over the next couple of weeks across the team then obviously Joe Schmidt would have come into these warm-up games and just the lead into the World Cup generally with a fairly strong idea you would have imagined of his strongest 15 or at least his strongest match day squad do you think that's been thrown into disarray that perception of what the strongest team would be on the basis of the six nations on the basis of that england defeat yeah absolutely i would i would actually I'd go further i'd say he probably had 25 26 people fairly nailed on in his head um and i'd say that has changed considerably um the makeup of that, uh, the makeup of the squad, is it going to be, you know, the forward-back uh, ratio? Um, certain things will, you know, the priority, the order in which people get picked is is going to change. I think that's a lot to do with players. It is to do with players' performance, and then people who may have been viewed as um, outsiders have actually kind of come through and put their and put their hand out and then the underperformance of other guys so yeah I think the whole makeup of how he's going is going to change um, and also the you know, maybe the perceived ranking that he had of players is is potentially changing as well that will probably play out more in the next 
two or three the next two games um in the where people the the order they the order of merit really in in, in positions so you know kind of just talking as as you as you as we're, as we're kind of talking through it the the actual the makeup there will be a a change in it but i think the order in which players are in those positions will change as well and finally, you have said you think this can be turned around pretty quickly. There are two opportunities against Wales, particularly I think if we finish strongly before we head off, you can build up a head of steam and certainly you're on a winning streak, even if it's one game and, and things, the outlook is very different. How do you think it will go in the, in the coming weeks and, and months? Like I've got to say, like, like, I, I think it's lazy to make a prediction like that now, at, at particularly at this at this juncture, because it's such a crucial game. The English game was important, and we've taken you took you know potentially we did take two steps back from the Italian game. We all thought the Italian game was an underperformance, and you know the English one puts that in it puts that into perspective. What happens next gives a real insight into character, into culture, into what's happening in the internal mechanisms and the internal the stuff that we have no access to so we only we make we make views and we make assumptions based on what we see in 80 minutes once a week um so we're going to get another one of these this week but that's going to give you an, a big insight into where the where the players are physically and mentally yeah thank you very much to gordon and to dominic smith expert electrical in dundrum for setting that up uh, on the 4th of september Murray and I are off down to Liberty Hall Theatre where we'll be joined by Leinster stars Scott Fardy and James Lowe. Uh, tickets are 20 euro. They're going like hotcakes. Uh, we're really looking forward to it, even if uh, it, we might be going with slightly less optimism than we had planned <laughs> when we put the event together. We're looking forward to seeing you down there. Uh, all tickets are available on, on the 42 with the details, etc. there as well. Uh, yeah, can't wait for that. Um, I'm slightly or I'm looking forward slightly less to Cardiff this weekend, but still, it's a clean slate, as Gordon said, and it's uh, a chance to see something. What can we expect to see, guys? And Bernard, maybe starting with yourself, where do they start in order to put it right? Is there one starting point that you can kind of build upon? Well, it's too, well uh, to answer your question, if there's two, it has to be set piece and defence, you know, um, the, the nature of some of the tries against England, um, you know, no matter how good the rest of your game is, if you give away one soft try like that against a tier one country, um, there's a strong chance you're going to lose the game. So you'd, you'd have to hope that our our communication and our understanding and our ability to mirror and read, you know, what the guy inside us is doing um, is vastly improved. Uh, uh, and then the second part is obviously getting having a, having a decent line out. Um, won't be that easy. Yeah, we've got good targets, but you know Adam Beard and Shingler um, are, are decent operators for for Wales. Um, it's the second string Welsh team. Reese uh, Carey is getting his first cap, um, but he's a decent player. And, and you know Dale, they've the more the Wales game plan is so simple, and um, they're so fit and and so confident. You know that if we got a win against this team, it's actually an achievement. To be honest, you know it's not a case a guaranteed win over there for us at all. Um, we'd have to earn it, and uh, I think you know being able to keep the ball for decent amount of pe- decent periods and actually you know look dangerous with it at times would be a you know a step forward for us. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 that attacking flow that we need to see. We need to see something that, that shows they've been working hard. They've been talking about working on their face play, and there's hints of little 
new shape in there, but we haven't seen it execute really and, and damage a team just yet. The the set piece attack has to fire as well because even I think of a, an early example, in the first half example in the England game where they got good line out ball and then they I think Josh van der Fleer got in the passing channel to Bundiaki. He then carries into a really strong attack from Jamie George and Ross Byrne gets turned over on the 22 four phases later. So even when they actually won the ball, they weren't getting their roles right. It is a very different team, but I think the whole group will benefit from them getting into a flow off, off set piece. Even a couple of scrum attacks. Joe Schmidt tends to have good ideas there um, and definitely off line out. And then that phase play, there was little hints of a maybe a, an opening up of the, the pallet on kick return, even Rob Carney offloading over the top. Mm. That, that one stage was encouraging and, and you'd like to see that develop as well. We've kind of seen them continue to experiment with the kicking, even the exits you mentioned where CJ Sander put it to ground. They were trying to do something different there. Still haven't hung up a contestable box kick, so mm. hopefully this is the weekend where we see it back. I think people will actually be encouraged to see them go and, and take one of those again. <laughs> um, but it is, I agree, Bern, it's going to be tough to get a win. It's a, like a sold-out Principality Stadium. It's going to be a really good atmosphere. Warren Gatlin's last game there and the Welsh squad being like rubber or copper fastened in this in this yeah. game so it's it's last chance saloon for them they're going to be massively up for it so I think a, a performance and, and not even winning would, would be a really good result for, for Ireland they just got to get some momentum back into the group and get that confidence um, moving in the right direction Yeah do you think that's a realistic target Bernard that's what kind of what we were looking for last week as well both of us mentioned like we just need to avoid getting annihilated which we didn't manage to do but <laughs> yeah. at this weekend you keep it to within a score two scores and take yeah, it from there Yeah just some just some real positives some strong individual performances um, you know our defence looking much more composed um, as I said our set piece and then you can at least say okay well look at you know we, we, we fixed those you know the worst thing you want to have the last thing you want to have is you know underlying issues in, in your fundamentals as you get onto that plane to Japan you know realistically you know Murray spoke about the lads working very hard the week in Portugal you know once they get to Japan it, sh- it should be locked and loaded you shouldn't and you're actually just trying to re- refine things that are already working well not you know um, try and completely um, fix a, a, an underlying issue so for me that would be the the main thing that we can say okay look at you know we looked much more comfortable on set pst um off midfield scrums and um you know we knew if we if we had a, a line in our own half that we had a very strong chance of winning a clean ball and then at least and, and a couple of individuals playing well um omani you know who's, who's going to start for us at six in, in the in the world cup him having a strong game and then you know that'll give him confidence then to lead more and you know that's all you need you only need a couple of sparks um, and that's the opportunity for these guys here. Can they be the spark that gets the whole squad back on track? And uh, and you know we go there with a with a mixed start, a mixed prep, but you know on the right track. And then you're looking forward to a week later and, and home in Dublin, the perfect chance to to send them off, send off squad on the on the, on the right note. Johnny Sexton, and Robbie Henshaw most likely back for that. Keith Earls potentially as well. I think Joe Schmidt is, is pretty positive about him. He's got tendonitis issue above his knee. So fingers crossed for, for Ireland that he's okay because he's a, is a key, key player. Those three can can change a lot as well. And and if they're coming into a, into a happy camp that's had a good performance and not even a win, but a, a strong performance, as Bernard says, then they can lift it again. And, and then suddenly you're in a, in a very different position. It sounds like this room that you're talking about, we came in, or at least I came in forlorn, but I feel <laughs> happy and optimistic now again. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Gents, thanks a million. Cheers. We'll you. catch you again next week. And thanks as well to you at home. A reminder that this podcast was brought to you by Volkswagen, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. We will be back soon. Enjoy the game over the weekend. And in the meantime, we'll see you down in Liberty Hall Theatre next Wednesday night. 20 euro tickets. It'll be very good. Uh, take it easy. Good luck. 
I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Robbie weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, 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 Magic!